section twenty of little journeys to the homes of american statesmen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b little journeys to the homes of american statesmen by albert hubbard section twenty john jay calm repose and the sweets of undisturbed retirement appear more distant than a peace with britain it gives me pleasure however to reflect that the period is approaching when we shall be citizens of a better ordered state and the spending of a few troublesome years of our eternity in doing good to this and future generations is not to be avoided nor regretted things will come right and these states will yet be great and flourishing letter to washington john jay america should feel especially charitable towards louis the great called by carlyle louis the little for banishing the huguenots from france what france lost america gained tyranny and intolerance always drive from their homes the best those who have ability to think courage to act and a pride that cannot be coerced the merits possessed by the huguenots are exactly those which every man and nation needs and these are simple virtues too whose cultivation stands within the reach of all these are the virtues of the farmers and peasants and plain people who do the work of the world and give good government its bone and sinew to a great degree so-called society is made up of parasites who fasten and feed upon the industrious and methodical if you have read history you know that the men who go quietly about their business have been cajoled threatened driven and often when they have been guilty of doing a little independent thinking on their own account banished and further than this when you read the story of nations dead and gone you will see that their decline began when the parasites got too numerous and flauntingly asserted their supposed power that contempt for the farmer and indifference to the rights of the man with tin pail and overalls which one often sees in america are portents that mark disintegrating social bacilli if the republic of the united states ever becomes but a memory like carthage athens and rome drifting off into senile decay like italy and spain or france where a man may yet be tried and sentenced without the right of counsel or defence it will be because we forgot we forgot in moral fibre and general characteristics the huguenots and the puritans were one the huguenots had however the added virtue of a dash of the frenchman's love of beauty by their excellent habits and loyalty to truth as they saw it they added a vast share to the prosperity and culture of the united states of seven men who acted as presiding officer over the deliberations of congress during the revolutionary period there were of huguenot parentage lorenz boudinot and jay john jay was a typical huguenot just as samuel adams was a typical puritan in his life there was no glamour of romance stern studious and inflexibly honest he made his way straight to the highest positions of trust and honour good men who are capable are always needed the world wants them now more than ever we have an overplus of clever individuals 
but for the faithful men who are loyal to a trust there is a crying demand the life of jay quite disproves the oft-found myth that a dash of mephisto in a young man is a valuable adjunct john jay was neither precocious nor bad it is further a refreshing fact to find that he was no prig simply a good healthy youngster who took to his books kindly and gained ground made head upon the whole by grubbing his father was a hard-headed prosperous merchant who did business in new york and moved his big family up to the little village of rye because life in the country was simple and cheap thus did peter jay prove his common sense peter jay copied every letter he wrote and we now have these copy books revealing what sort of man he was religious he was and scrupulously exact in all things we see that he ordered bibles from england and also six gross of church wardens which i am told is a long clay pipe that hath a goodly flavour and doth not bite the tongue he also at one time ordered a chest of tea and then countermanded the order having taken the resolve to use no tea in my family while that rascally tax is on having a spring of good pure water near my house which shows that a man can be very much in earnest and still joke john was the baby scarcely a year old when the jay family moved up to rye he was the eighth child and as he grew up he was taught by the older ones he took part in all the fun and hardships of farm life going to school in winter working in summer and on sundays hearing long sermons at church we find by peter jay's letter book that johnny is about our brightest child we have great hopes of him and believe it will be wise to educate him for a preacher in order to educate boys then they were sent to live in the family of some man of learning and so we find johnny at twelve years of age installed in the parsonage at new rochelle the huguenot settlement the pastor was a huguenot and as only french was spoken in the household the boy acquired the language which afterwards stood him in good stead the pastor reported favorably and when fifteen young jay was sent to king's college which is now columbia university king's not being popular in america dr samuel johnson who nowise resembled ursa major was the president of the college at that time he was also the faculty for there were just thirty students and he did all the teaching himself dr johnson true to his name dearly loved a good book and when teaching mathematics would often forget the topic and recite ossian by the page instead jay caught it for the book craze is contagious and not sporadic we take it by being exposed and thus it was while under the tutelage of dr johnson that jay began to acquire the ability to turn a terse sentence and this gained him admittance into the world of new york letters whose special guardians were dickinson and william livingston livingston invited the boy to his house and very soon we find the young man calling without special invitation for livingston had a beautiful daughter about john's age who was fond of ossian too or said she was and as this is not a serial love story there is no need of keeping the gentle reader in suspense so i will explain that some years later john married the girl and the mating was a very happy one after john had been to king's college two years we find in the faded and yellow old letter book an item written by the father to the effect that our johnny is doing well at college 
he seems sedate and intent on gaining knowledge but rather inclines to law instead of the ministry dr johnson was succeeded by dr miles cooper a fellow of oxford who used to wear his mortarboard cap and scholar's gown up broadway in young jay's veins there was not a drop of british blood of his eight great-grandparents five were french and three dutch a fact he once intimated in the oxonian's presence and then it was explained to the youth that if such were the truth it would be as well to conceal it alexander hamilton got along very well with dr cooper but john jay found himself rusticated shortly before graduation some years after this dr cooper hastily climbed a back fence leaving a sample of his gown on a picket while alexander hamilton held the whig mob at bay at the front door cooper sailed very soon for england anathematizing the blarsted country in classic latin as the ship passed out of the narrows england is a good place for him said the laconic john jay so john jay was to be a lawyer and the only way to be a lawyer in those days was to work in a lawyer's office a goodly source of income to all established lawyers was the sums they derived for taking embryo blackstones into their keeping the greater a man's reputation as a lawyer the higher he placed his fee for taking a boy in in those days there were no printed blanks and a simple lease was often a day's work to write out so it was not difficult to keep the boys busy besides that they took care of the great man's horse blacked his boots swept the office and ran errands during the third year of apprenticeship if all went well the young man was duly admitted to the bar a stiff examination kept out the rank outsiders but the nomination by a reputable attorney was equivalent to admittance for all members knew that if you opposed an attorney to-day to-morrow he might oppose you to such an extent was this system of taking students carried that in seventeen hundred sixty eight we find new york lawyers alarmed by the awful influx of young barristers upon this province so steps were taken to make all attorneys agree not to have more than two apprentices in their office at one time about the same time the boston newspaper called the sentinel shows there was a similar state of overproduction in boston only the trouble there was principally with the doctors for doctors were then turned loose in the same way carrying a diploma from the old physician with whom they had matriculated and duly graduated law schools and medical colleges be it known are comparatively modern institutions not quite so new however as business colleges but pretty nearly so and now in chicago there is a barber's university which issues diplomas to men who can manipulate a razor and shears whereas until yesterday boys learned to be barbers by working in a barber's shop the good old way was to pass a profession along from man to man and it is so yet in a degree for no man is allowed to practice either medicine or law until he has spent some time in the office of a practitioner in good standing in the catholic church and also in the episcopal the novitiate is expected to serve for a time under an older clergyman but all the other denominations have broken away and now spring the fledgling on the world straight from the factory several other of his children having sorely disappointed him peter jay seemed to centre his ambitions on his boy john so we find him paying benjamin kissam the eminent lawyer 
two hundred pounds in good coin of the colony to take john jay as apprentice for five years john went at it and began copying those endless wordy documents in which the old-time attorney used to delight john sat at one end of a table and at the other was seated one lindley murray at the mention of whose name terror used to seize my soul murray has written some good presentable english to the effect that young jay even at that time had the inclination and ability to focus his mind upon the subject in hand he used to work just as steadily when his employer was away as when he was in the office a fact which the grammarian seemed to regard as rather strange in a year we find that mr kissam went away he left the keys of the safe in john jay's hands with orders what to do in case of emergencies thus does responsibility gravitate to him who can shoulder it and trust to the man who deserves it it was in kissam's office that jay acquired that habit of reticence and serene poise which becoming fixed in character made his words carry such weight in later years he never gave snapshot opinions or talked at random or voiced any sentiment for which he could not give a reason his companions were usually men much older than he at the moot club he took part with james duane who was to be new york's first continental mayor governor morris who had not at that time acquired the wooden leg which he once snatched off and brandished with happy effect before a paris mob and samuel jones who was to take as prentice and drill that strong man dewitt clinton before his years of apprenticeship were over john jay the quiet the modest the reticent was known as a safe and competent lawyer kissam having pushed him forward as associate counsel in various difficult cases meantime certain chests of tea had been dumped into boston harbor and the example had been followed by the mohawks in new york british oppression had made many tories lukewarm and then english rapacity had transformed these tories into whigs jay was one of these and in newspapers and pamphlets and from the platform he had pleaded the cause of the colonies opposition crystallized his reasons and threats only served to make him reaffirm the truce he had stated so prominent had his utterances made his name that one fine day he was nominated to attend the first congress of the colonies to be held in philadelphia in august seventeen hundred seventy four we find him leaving his office in new york in charge of a clerk and riding horseback over to the town of elizabeth there joining his father-in-law and the two starting for philadelphia on the road they fell in with john adams who kept a diary that night at the tavern where they stopped the sharp-eyed yankee recorded the fact of meeting these new friends and added mr jay is a young gentleman of the law and mr scott says a hard student and very good speaker and so they journeyed on across the state to trenton and down the delaware river to philadelphia visiting and cautiously discussing great issues as they went samuel adams too was in the party as reticent as jay jay was twenty-nine and samuel adams fifty-two years old but they became good friends and samuel once quietly said to john adams that man jay is young in years but he has an old head jay was the youngest man of the convention save one when the second congress met jay was again a delegate he served on several important committees and drew up a statement that was addressed to the people of england 
but he was recalled to new york before the supreme issue was reached and thus through accident the declaration of independence does not contain the signature of john jay in seventeen hundred seventy eight jay was chosen president of the continental congress to succeed that other patriotic huguenot lorenz the following year he was selected as the man to go to spain to secure from that country certain friendly favors his reception there was exceedingly frosty and the mention of his two years on the ragged edge of court life at madrid in later years brought to his face a grim smile spain's diplomatic policy was smooth hypocrisy and rank untruth and all her promises it seems were made but to be broken jay's negotiations were only partially successful but he came to know the language the country and the people in a way that made his knowledge very valuable to america end of section twenty